We must scatter the fleet. We have no recourse but to surrender. Are we really talking about disbanding something that we've worked so hard to create? We can't just give in! We joined an alliance, not a suicide pact. We've only now managed to gather our forces. Gather our forces? General Draven's already blown up an Imperial base. A decision needed to be made. If it's war you want, you'll fight alone. If that's how it's going, why have an alliance at all? If she's telling the truth, we need to act now. Counselors, please. It is simple. The Empire has the means of mass destruction. The Rebellion does not. A Death Star? This is nonsense. What reason would my father have to lie? What benefit would it bring him? To lure our forces into a final battle to destroy us once and for all. Risk everything. Based on what? The testimony of a criminal. The dying words of her father, an Imperial scientist. Oh, don't forget the Imperial pilot. My father gave his life so that we may have a chance to defeat this. So you've told us. If the Empire has this kind of power, what chance do we have? What chance do we have? The question is what choice? Run, hide, plead for mercy, scatter your forces. You give way to an enemy this evil with this much power and you condemn the galaxy to an eternity of submission. The time to fight is now. Yes. Every moment you waste is another step closer to the ashes of Jeddah. What is she proposing? Just let the girl speak. Send your best troops to Scarif. Send the rebel fleet if you have to. You need to capture the Death Star plans if there's any hope of destroying it. You're asking us to invade an Imperial installation based on nothing but hope. Rebellions are built on hope. There is no hope. I say we fight! I say the rebellion is finished! Welcome everyone from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair Podcast. Star Wars is for everyone, so pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt, here in the Wampa's Lair. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Wampus Lair Podcast. This is episode 385 for the cause. I am your host, your solo host for this episode of the Wampus Lair Podcast, Carl LeClaire, and I am so excited to be back to talk some Star Wars. Um, unfortunately, Jason uh, kind of had to back out a little bit last minute. Some, some personal stuff came up for him that he needed to attend to. And uh, he basically said that he wouldn't be able to make it this week, so I will be taking the reins on my own. Um, so, welcome back. Uh, obviously, we took off last week, um, and you know, there's there was a, there's a lot going on in the world right now, and and obviously a lot going on last week, and we just wanted to take the week to, to kind of process everything going on, um, hopefully give you all time to to process what's going on um, as well. And, uh, you know, that's kind of what I wanted to talk about in this week's episode is, is looking into, um, what star Wars might have to say about what's going on in our world right now. And to be frank, I think it's got a lot to say. Um, so, uh, what I wanted to talk about in this particular episode this week is just 
looking at kind of these reluctant hero characters and and how they stand up for a cause and the importance of finding something to believe in and fighting for that cause um because i think at the end of the day that's that's really what's going on uh, right now in in our country specifically for those of us who live in the us is we see a massive movement right now um by folks that are looking to be heard and to be seen and you know this is a cause that so many folks so wholeheartedly believe in and give themselves so fully to uh, in a way that I can never fully understand. But I just wanted to talk about it through the lens of something that I do understand, which is Star Wars. So I'm going to be looking at the characters of Jin, Han, and Finn. You have to end your last your name with an N in order to be in this episode this week. Um, and I want to look at those three kind of reluctant hero characters and, and how they they all kind of come around to standing up for a cause, standing up for something that they believe in. And and hopefully that'll be a nice reflection point for all of us is, you know, as we move into this kind of uh, crazy, uncertain world ahead is um, finding what really matters to us and, and learning to stand up for those things that we truly believe in. Um, now, before I dive into that, um, I just want to also give a big thank you to all of you who wrote on either the Twitter wall or the Facebook feed last week. Um, Jason was very sweet. So uh, unfortunately, some health health issues came up for me last week where I was kind of in the hospital for uh, a few days last week. Um, uh, you know, most of you probably don't know this, which is fair. Um, I was born with congenital heart disease and I was having some issues with my heart last week that required some uh, procedures in the hospital. Um, so I was kind of down and down and out a bit last week. Um, in the midst of already a crazy world, uh, also being in a hospital in the midst of a pandemic is also just all sorts of stressful. Um, I got to get COVID tested, COVID tested twice in one week. Uh, the nose test is not fun. Let me tell you right now, if you've had the unfortunate, um, uh, experience of having that, uh, six inch Q-tip stuck up your nose, <laughs> it's not fun. Um, but I can at least say I don't have COVID-19, which is, which is wonderful. Um, but I really appreciated Jason uh, putting up a post on both our Twitter and Facebook, letting folks know I was in the hospital. And, and I really, really appreciate all of you who sent such kind, uplifting messages. Uh, it really meant a lot. And even though, obviously, I don't know most of you personally, it's it still means a lot that y'all cared enough to, to send messages like that. Um, so again, thank you, thank you, thank you for doing that. Um, I'm feeling much better, obviously. Um, I do have to go in again next week to have one more procedure done on my heart. Um, but, uh, everything is looking good. Um, and, uh, again, your messages really helped a lot. So thank you again. Um, now that being said, as far as some, uh, some upkeep, obviously we've, we've been a bit delayed with the end of the musical mayhem from last month. Uh, the tournament did finish. Um, I'm going to wait and, and kind of wrap that up though with Jason next week. Cause, uh, I feel like that's something he and I like to do together. Um, we do also want to do the drawing for the uh, the musical may giveaway. Um, we've gotten quite a few, uh, new reviews in iTunes. So thank you to all of you who did that. We're going to, we're going to pull one of your names out of a hat next week. Again, I'm going to do this with Jason and, uh, uh, send you your prize of the, uh, deluxe version of the, a new hope soundtrack. Um, so thank you for your patience with that. Uh, really appreciate it. Um, so let's look at star Wars. Let's, let's look at some of these, incredibly reluctant characters who end up rising to the occasion and becoming these great heroes who, who stand up for a cause. Um, and they find a way to believe in a cause that they can really, um, you know, that they can really stand up for and fight for. Um, and I think, you know, I think, 
you know, Jin, Han, and Finn. These are all characters who will fight for something. Um, and and I think that there's there's a goodness in fighting. Now, I don't mean that in the sense of like, oh, let's all violently, you know, go out and take over the world. Not like not like that. But it's it's good to have that energy to to push back against injustices um, and 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 fighting for literally just what's right in the world. And and I think that all three of these characters do that in kind of their own way. So. Um, anytime I'm going to talk about Jin Erso, uh, I've, I've got to reach out to, to our buddy, uh, Jim Capron, who I like to just call Jim Erso, um, and, and kind of get his insight on the character. And, and Jim is always so, uh, so wonderful with getting back to me whenever I, you know, ask him anything. <laughs> um, and he, and he sent this, uh, a great email with some of his insights into, you know, how he sees Jin's character shaping up in, in this kind of, um, uh, you know, focus of, of, of finding what, what a cause to believe in. So I'm going to, I will quote Jim a couple of times here. I, I grabbed a few of his quotes directly from his email cause they were just so damn good. Um, so, uh, Jim, thank you for doing that. Um, thank you for being a ghost guest on the show as a result. Um, so Jin is a, a, a character who, you know, when, when we kind of first see her being presented with the cause and in that scene, when she meets back up with Saw Gerrera, and he's, you know, he's, he's kind of trying to recruit her back. Um, and she, she opens up that she doesn't care about the cause anymore because it's burned her. And she just doesn't, you know, she doesn't see the point in fighting for it anymore because all it's ever done is knock her down. Um, so this is, this is a quote from Jim and Jim says, quote, uh, she has plenty of reason to hate the empire, but as she expresses, no matter how hard she fights, she just keeps getting knocked down by this war. She's apathetic, guarded, frustrated, and exhausted as a result of it. All it's ever brought her is pain. And it seems like there's no way out. Saw's able to feel her pain and understand her. And he knows her father's message is what she needs more than anything right now. End quote. Um, I love what Jim is saying here, right? You know, Jin is all of us who get exhausted by the craziness of life, by the craziness of a world that might be crumbling around us. It's exhausting. And it's especially exhausting when you're at the front lines fighting this fight for so long and you don't feel like you're getting anywhere. Um, and, and that's a little bit of, I think, what's going on with Jin is she fought that fight for a while it was exhausting, probably felt like she didn't make much progress. And then she gets burned. Right. And like Jin is Jin is a character who's already holding the trauma of watching her mother gunned down in front of her at a young age. And then her father being stolen away from her. Jin carries the trauma of being of, of, of losing, you know, her, her parental units. She carries the trauma of losing people she really loves. And then it happens to her again with saw saw was someone who brought her in, gave her a purpose again, gave her probably a level of compassion and love as much as he was capable of. And then he leaves her too. Obviously in that moment, Jin learned why it was, uh, it was because people were learning who she really was. So she learns that saw did this to protect her. Of course, she didn't know that at the time, but obviously in that exchange between her and saw, I think what's most telling is when saw says to her, so you can stand to see the Imperial flag reign across the galaxy. And Jin's immediate response, it's not a problem if you don't look up. Apathy, just like Jim said, she's apathetic, right? She knows what's going on. Of course, she doesn't like it, but she's just kind of done with it. 
and right, I think that's that's kind of just the easy route is to just ignore that there's something going on around you to ignore that there are problems. Um, it's just, it's just kind of easy just to pretend that they're not there to keep your head down and try to stay away from it. Um, because when you get involved, it costs you something. It's hard. It's difficult. So that's what Jin's been doing really since she's kind of been abandoned by saw is she's just kept her head down. She stopped caring about the cause. Um, but then like Jim kind of points out, it's the message from her father. When when Galen kind of connects to her through that message and reminds her that she's loved and that everything he's continued to do insofar as sabotaging the Death Star and trying to get these plans out to the Alliance, he's doing all of that with Jin on his mind. And that's what changes. Jin now fights because of these personal stakes. She wants to finish what her father started. Right. So it becomes intensely personal for Jin because of that message from Galen. It gives her a sense of purpose that, you know, she's been going through for so long thinking that Saw forgot her and abandoned her. Her father has abandoned her. Right. So in this moment, she gets the truth that Saw actually was protecting her and this message that her father loves her. <laughs> it changes everything. Right. Um, apathy tends to be a result of feeling unloved or feeling like you can't love. And in that moment, Jin is overwhelmed with so much truth of how loved she is. And I think that's what shakes her out of that apathy. Right. You, you kind of need that that personal connection. And that's what happens for Jin through both Saw and Galen. So um, what I love is. You know, so she goes off to Edu. She wants to. She wants to save her father, um, and basically, her father's as he dies in her arms, which is another horribly traumatic event for Jin. As he's dying in her arms, he kind of has this last wish that she get those Death Star plans, that she go to Scarif, that she finishes what he started. Right? He's kind of passing that legacy on to her. He's asking her to take up his cause. The cause that he's been working his whole life in secret about is he's been slowly sabotaging everything he can. And now he asks his daughter to finish that for him. And of course, Jin says yes. So what I love, though, is Jim says, um, quote, she fully commits herself not to the rebellion as an organization, but to the cause and doing what's right. End quote. I love that. I love what Jim is saying there, right? That um, for Jin... She she's not all like, oh, great. I love the rebellion. It's much bigger than that in a lot of ways. It's just the broad, simple truth that Star Wars has always been about doing what's right as opposed to doing what's wrong. And Jin knows what's right here. She knows it's the right thing to do to go to Scarif, to retrieve those plans, to take down this Death Star that her father was forced to create. That's what she needs to do. That's the cause she now cares about is just simply doing what's right. Um, so she goes back to the Alliance council there and gives that moving speech that, you know, I played at the top of the episode. I played the whole thing. Cause it's just, you kind of just need the whole thing. You can't just take clips in my opinion. It's so powerful. It's so beautiful. And there's, I, as I was listening to listening to the speech before, uh, as I was making notes for, for the episode, I was thinking, man, I could, you can probably just do an entire episode just breaking down the speech. It's it's so it's so rich. It's got so much good stuff in it. Um, but suffice that to say, 
Um, what I think is really interesting is is the resistance she gets when she's giving the speech, right? It's thought to be kind of nonsense, you know, um, and she's even called a criminal. Like, why would we believe this criminal? Oh, or her imperial pilot, right? So much of there are so many members of that council, the Rebel Alliance Council, that dismiss her because of her past, right? Dismiss her because of her affiliation to Saw, who they see as an extremist, her affiliation to Galen Urso, who they hold responsible for the Death Star, her um, simple affiliation of just the fact that she's been arrested, right? Therefore, she's a criminal. Um, and the same with Bodhi. They don't care about anything about what Bodhi's sacrificed to be there with them. All they see him as is a criminal, right? It's a very simplistic way of looking at complicated people and a very unfair way to look at complicated situations. Um, so Jin is there struggling to have her voice heard. And she she's not. She's not heard because too many of them are too staunch in their belief that she's a criminal and we're also just too afraid, right? They're so afraid that if this is real, well, shoot, there's nothing we can do against that. But Jin knows that this is a fight that's worth fighting for. And that's why when she leaves that council, I find it so powerful that she's not defeated, right? She doesn't walk out. She's frustrated and angry. She's not defeated. And I think that's really telling, right? Um, it's exhausting to try to sell your case to somebody, to try to, to try to convince people that something is worth fighting for, that something is worth standing up for, and they just don't want to hear it for whatever reason. Again, they have their valid reasons. Uh, I think the most valid one is they're just simply afraid. Totally understandable. It's a Death Star. Um, but she is committed to this. She's going to see this through to the end no matter what. So she comes out there kind of fuming. This is a beautifully acted moment by Felicity Jones. You almost see her like bouncing on her toes. Like she's, she's frustrated. She's going to do something about this. And she comes into this community, the family that she's formed over the last few days. And, you know, Chirrut and Bays and Bodhi and Cassian, right? So... Right as she comes out, Chirrut and Baze and Bodhis follows her right out. They're all ready to fight. They're not enough, though. She knows that. And then Cassian shows up. Cassian, who's also a an incredibly complex character who has also had his own struggles with fighting for the rebellion, he finally sees in Jin the pure cause that he has always cared about, which is simply, again, doing what's right. And what's right here is to go to Scarif to get those Death Star plans. So that commitment she has to this cause, it ignites a fuse. And it forms this Rogue One crew. And they're ready for the march, right? And it's just such a beautifully powerful moment um, in that movie that Jin's commitment to this cause, it, it changes everything and leads to debatably one of the coolest march scenes in all of film history.
so they, you know, they make that commitment. They're going to go out there. They're going to, they're going to go to Scarif. And I, you know, I, I'm obviously just talked about the, the rogue one theme not too long ago on, on our musical may, but, um, right. That, that moment with the force theme embedded is perfect. It's perfect to me. How do we know Jin's doing the right thing? Cause the force is at the center of it, right? She goes there. The rogue one crew has been formed. May the force be with us. And we get that beautiful kind of triumphant statement of the force theme, which in star Wars language tells us they're doing the right thing. Um, so I love that about Jin. Jin is a very, very reluctant character initially, but comes full circle and, and really stands up for this cause to do what is right. And that commitment to doing what is right, well, we know where it goes from there. And it's quite beautiful. So let's move on to my favorite Star Wars character, good old General Han Solo. Um, of another, uh, in a, a totally different way from Jin, but very much so a reluctant hero in a, in a totally different way <laughs> than Jin is. Um, but Han's character is uh, in, in, incredibly well-developed throughout the course of the uh, original trilogy, right? So obviously A New Hope, Han is just, he's in it for the money. That's all he cares about. I ain't in this for the cause. I ain't, this in, I ain't in it for you. I expect to be well-paid. <laughs> Right? He makes it pretty darn clear to Leia as they're escaping the Death Star that he is not in this for any sort of cause. He doesn't care about this rebellion. And then as he's he's packing up with his money, he's getting ready to leave the Misasi temple there. Luke tries to change his, change his mind. Han just... Um, again, I, I, the, the exchange between Han and Luke in the radio drama is so good. It's, it's, obviously, it's, it's much more expanded than what we get in the movie. But... Han essentially says even there that this is not a cause worth fighting for. It's just suicide. Um, again, there's a there's an apathy there, kind of like there was with Jin. Um, for Han, it's just like there's no point. Like I again, he he's he's trying to present himself as just the the selfish rogue. He didn't care about anything or anybody. Um, and again, when you recognize that there's there's an evil force there in the world in the Empire, you know it's a hard thing to just say like, I'm going to fight that because you know, it's going to be an uphill battle. So it's just easier to say, eh, nah, I, I ain't going to waste my time with that. I'll stay under the radar. I'll be fine. But I love that moment when Luke walks off, right. And then Chewie says something again, we don't know what it is. Um, I, but Chewie gets under his skin. And again, it's because Chewie knows Han, right? He reminds Han who he really is, that he is a good person. And the right thing to do is to care about the people who are good people, right? So I don't think Han comes flying back there to, to rescue Luke at the end of A New Hope because he cares about the rebellion. He comes back because he cares about Luke, right? He cares about somebody. It's personal. Again, there, I think that's always got to be that first step, I think, towards towards our commitment to causes, right? Is There needs to be a personal connection. We have to care about this stuff. You know, it has to mean something to us. Otherwise, it's just abstract ideals. So what first gets Han to make a heroic step is the fact that he cares about Luke. And Chewie reminds him that people are what matter. Um, and that's the kind of person Han is. So then as we go into, you know, Empire Strikes Back, uh, obviously Han's been paling around with the Rebellion now for a couple of years. But he's really just there because of Luke and Leia. Um, 
you know, I, I, I don't think it's because he cares about the Alliance. Um, I mean, he's stuck around for a little while now. Uh, I think part of that is still like his, his own desire to stay away from his old life. Um, right. I think that's why at the beginning of empire, the reason he's, he's finally about to leave is because his old life caught up to him on Ord Mantell. <laughs> so he's gotta, he's gotta, he's gotta deal with Jabba before he can start any sort of new life. Um, but I don't think he's, he's fully bought into the rebellion quite yet, but we know for sure what he again, really cares about Luke, right? Luke goes missing. Han just goes out after him, you know, no matter what the odds are, Han's going to go rescue his friend cause he's needed. Um, and Han cares about Again, those people. But something changes for Han um, in Return of the Jedi, right at the beginning of Return of the Jedi, when Leia and Luke and Lando and Chewie and the droids, they come back to rescue him. Han has a huge change of heart. I mean, he, yes, he had a change of heart at the end of A New Hope. He's obviously had a change of heart in Empire. He, he's, he is committed to Leia. He's in love with her. He doesn't care the consequences of what that love might be. But I think what has changed for Han in Return of the Jedi and the reason he finally has bought into the cause that he's bought into the rebellion is because this is a cause that cares about people. That's what the rebellion's all about. It's fighting for the people who have been forgotten in the galaxy, the people who are being oppressed by the powerful heel of the empire. The rebellion cares about people. Han is wired to care about people. And I think as he comes to understand that that's what the rebellion is all about, that's when he chooses to throw his lot in there. And that's why in that moment that is so profoundly beautiful now, especially in light of Rogue One, is that moment when Han makes that commitment to leading the raid on Endor, knowing that it could very well cost him his life. And I think the reason we know he believes it might cost him his life is the fact that he doesn't volunteer Chewie. Right? He's not going to speak for anybody. He's not going to speak for his friends here. He's going to speak for himself. And I think that tells us that he really does care about this cause um, and knows that it might cost him his whole life. And in a really kind of neat way, I think that moment um, on the home one when Han does make that commitment to lead the raid, it brings kind of full circle something he refused years and years and years ago which comes at the end of Solo, when Enfys Ness says, we need leaders and warriors like you. And Han says, don't hold your breath, kid. Han's not ready then. Han hasn't found the people that have made the rebellion make sense for him. Um, he finds that in Luke and Leia, right? And that's why he kind of um, chooses to, to fight for that cause. He has come to accept that he is, in fact, that leader and that warrior that Enfys Ness knew he was. But now he's got a reason to, to, to really commit that to a cause now. Um, so, you know, again, it's, it's not the same as Jin, for sure. But I would say it's a similar trajectory. Again, it starts with this level of apathy, exhaustion by an oppressive force feels too overwhelming to get involved with, but then it becomes personal. And for Han, the way it becomes personal is the fact that the people he really, really loves, specifically Luke and Leia, they really believe in this cause. And again, like I said, it's because he sees that this is a cause that really cares about people. 
and cares about freeing people from oppressive empire. And that's what Han can get on board for. And that's why we see Han become his fullest, truest self as General Solo uh, at the end of Return of the Jedi. So let's look ahead to our last character here, Finn. Finn is a totally new kind of character in Star Wars. Um, in a similar way to both Han and Jin before him, another reluctant hero, but again, totally different circumstances. We are introduced to Finn on the raid of Jakku, right? And he's given an order to fire on defenseless villagers to commit murder is essentially what he's being ordered to do. And it's in that stark moment that Finn sees the first order for exactly what it is, that it is evil incarnate. My guess is that Finn has already had his reservations about the first order. Again, I, I, I know that there was like that little, um, like young adult book that came out shortly before force awakens, where we get a little bit of story about Finn Poe and Ray before the movie. I've not read it, so I don't know what's in there. Um, I don't know any of the Finn like expanded content that's really out there. So for those of you who do know, love to hear i'd love to hear any any information you might have about this but i am guessing that even as finn goes into that raid on in in jakku he's already got some reservations about the first order um but what makes it abundantly clear that they're evil that they are not a uh not the side you want to be part of is when he's told to fire into defenseless people and he refuses to do it um right and and, and he's immediately he immediately catches the attention of Kylo, right? I, the way, the way that that moment is actually shot by, by JJ, I think it's just really, really powerful. You've got Finn, even though you can't see his face, you can see the fear in the way he's just standing. The, John Boyega's just incredible body acting there is, is great. And then of course you get that zoomed in look of Kylo just staring at him. Kylo probably senses the goodness in him. Uh, and that's not allowed in the first order. You're not supposed to be good. You're not supposed to show compassion. Um, so, right, like the rest of Force Awakens is really Finn just trying to get away from the First Order. Again, he recognizes that they're evil. He recognizes that they're going to be a plague on the galaxy. But my God, it's too big a fight for him. He can't do this. Are you kidding me? He's got to run away. So that's essentially through much of the middle of the movie. His, his one goal is to just get the heck out of there until he meets Ray. Again, there's this personal connection. He cares about Ray. Um, and as he confesses to her in, you know, in that moment in, in Maz's castle, you know, Ray is someone who saw him for what he is, saw him as a person. Again, Poe did the same thing. Poe gives him a name for Pete's sake, right? He was just a number before. FN2187 is now Finn. Um, I mean, talk about literally being enslaved to a system, you know, Slavery is always about erasing people's identity, and that's what had happened to Finn. And yet there, here comes Poe, this leader of the resistance, this leader of a cause, who gives him a name, tells him that he has value. And then he gets even more of that from Ray. So as much as Finn's instinct is to run because he's so darn afraid of the First Order and how impossible a task it seems to him to actually be able to overthrow them, he just wants to run until Ray gets captured, right? Again, um, he will fight for people that he loves. He will fight for Ray. He will fight to keep her safe. 
So he goes, you know, to Starkiller base to, to rescue her. And it's, it's, it's wonderful. And I think what's also really, really powerful is at the end of Force Awakens, when Kylo, he's already watched, now he's watched Kylo kill Han Solo. He's now watched Kylo throw Rey up against a tree and knock her out cold. <laughs> and then he pulls out that Skywalker lightsaber. And I love the way he yells at Kylo when Kylo says, you know, that lightsaber, it belongs to me. Come get it. You know, I mean, there is fire in those words. There are fire in Finn in that moment. Don't you dare try to take away the people I care about is essentially what Finn is saying in that moment to Kylo. And obviously he's no match for Kylo, but it doesn't stop him. Right. In a really kind of beautiful way, that moment is Finn facing up to the fear of what he's been running from the entire movie, right? He's been running from how daunting it seems to overwhelm the first order. Well, Finn is no match for Kylo Ren in this moment. There's no way he's going to beat him in a lightsaber duel, but he abandons that fear because he cares about somebody. He cares about saving someone he loves in this moment. So that's how he finds the, f the fire to take that fight forward. Granted, it doesn't go so well for him, but what matters is that he found someone he loves that's worth fighting for. Even if that means you might lose. I think that's something that's pretty damn powerful. Um, and as we move into Last Jedi, you know, Last Jedi is ultimately for Finn, it's the story of him coming to see the resistance for what it is. All of his adventures on Cantobite with Rose, Rose is there to teach him how to not be a coward. Also, how to really fight for a cause, right? Rose's whole heart is invested in the resistance. Um, kind of like Han and Empire, in the la at the start of Last Jedi, Finn doesn't care about the resistance, really. He just cares about Rey. Um, but what he learns on that, as he's paling around with Rose, is he learns how to care about the resistance. He learns to see what it's really about, that the resistance is actively fighting against the oppression of the first order, right? The first order are the bad guys. So the resistance are going to, they're going to resist that, that villainy in the galaxy. Um, and you know, at the end of the movie, you have a very different Finn, a Finn that's ready to fight a fin, a Finn that's ready to commit to something. Come on. We have allies. People believe in Leia. They'll get our message. They'll come. But we have to buy time. We gotta take out that cannon. It's kind of like Finn's first little speech. His first little pump-up speech. It's not, as, it's not as good as the one he's gonna give in Rise of Skywalker, but it's his first step towards that. Right? Finn is committed now. Um, and I also like that he, he, in that little moment, he taught there are people that believe in Leia. Again, there are people that believe in the, the personhood of what the resistance is fighting for. They believe in the cause of fighting for people. You know, Haldo put it beautifully in her, in her speech earlier in the movie, when she says, you know, um, the downtrodden and the oppressed see our symbol and, and. You know, and it, it gives them hope. I, I don't remember if that's it verbatim, but right. Finn has come to encapsulate that himself. He really believes that people will come to that, to the aid of the resistance. He believes in this, in this fight that the resistance is fighting now. And 
I wanted to play that clip again, kind of specifically for a musical cue, right? At the end there, we get the force theme. Um, now, again, in light of episode nine, I in some ways think like, oh, cool. It's kind of pointing to the fact that Finn has the force. But I don't think that's exactly what John Williams was thinking in that moment. Again, similar to like with Jin, right? As they as they march out and, and load the transport to head for Scarif. And Jin gives the the quick little line, may the force be with us. And we hear the force theme, right? That's Star Wars language for saying you're doing the right thing. So Finn's commitment to saying we have to fight here. We've got to stand up to them. We've got to take out that cannon. The force theme, again, it comes up because it's on their side. Finn's making the right choice. He's fighting for something that's worth fighting for here. And that means the force is on his side. So, again, that's kind of you know where, where, where Finn takes us through with The Last Jedi is by the end of this movie, he is committed to fighting for the resistance. Again, the start of the movie, it's all about Rey. The end of the movie, it's about Rey and this cause. You know, they don't need to be mutually exclusive. Um, but Finn's, you know, so then when we, when we go into Rise of Skywalker, Finn's all in, <laughs> you know, and, and I think there, there are some valid criticisms that, you know, Finn's character arc doesn't get much in, in episode nine. I think that's certainly fair to say. Um, but I do think that there are some really great things about Finn in episode nine um, that we see through from episode seven and eight. Right. And, and it's ultimately that Finn wholeheartedly believes in that cause. Um, and I've always loved that exchange between, between him and Bulio at the beginning of, of episode nine, mainly just because I love Bulio and, and, and my buddy Mike and I just love saying win the war um, to one another all the time. But uh, right. If what we learn in just like that brief moment of him and Bulio, like Bulio, good to see you. Right. Finn has developed relationships with allies of the resistance. That's how much Finn has bought in. You know, in that one year gap between uh, episode eight and nine, Finn has been all in and fighting for the resistance. And he has made contacts. He has made friends with folks that are fighting the good fight. And I think that's revealed to us in the very first moments we even see Finn in the movie. So again, Finn all in, (laughs) in in episode nine. He really believes in this. And I think the most uh, you know, powerful moment for Finn in episode nine is that moment when he and Janna have, you know, a very revelatory conversation. This is a first order part. There's an old cruiser on the West Ridge. Stripped for parts. The one we were assigned to. The one we escaped in. Okay, wait. You were first order? Not by choice. We were conscripted as kids. All of us. I was TZ-1719, Stormtrooper. FN-2187. You! I never knew there were more. Deserters. All of us here were Stormtroopers. We mutinied at the Battle of Anset Island. They told us to fire on civilians. We wouldn't do it. We laid our weapons down. All of you? The whole company. I don't even know how it happened. It wasn't a decision. Really, it was like... An instinct. A feeling. A feeling. A force. The force brought me here. Brought me to Ray and Poe. You say that like you're sure it's real. It's real. I wasn't sure then, but... 
I am now. What is it, buddy? So, oh man, it's again, it's it's a moment about character connection for sure. But you know, in this moment, um, Finn and Jana specifically have this strong bond together because they both made an incredibly hard choice, which was to refuse to fire on innocent people, right? That they weren't going to do what they were told to do because what they were told to do was wrong. And they stand up against that. Um, in some ways, you know, Finn's, Finn's choice was a much lonelier one. He was the only one <laughs> that day in Jakku. Jana, you know, obviously had this, her entire company, they did this together, right? They, they willingly chose to throw their weapons down. It was this open mutiny. They weren't going to do what they were ordered to do because it was wrong. And I love how she said, you know, it was, I don't know, it was, it, it was an instinct, a feeling. And Finn helps her to understand what that instinct and what that feeling is. It's the force, right? And, and, um, just to pull up for a second from a thousand degrees, of, a thousand degrees, a thousand feet up above bird's eye view here. One of the things that I'm f- going to be forever grateful of for the sequel trilogy is how it expanded the force mythology that everybody is part of the force and everybody in some way has a connection with the force. Um, so, you know, in this moment, it, again, it's, it's really well acted the way, uh, Finn hops up and sits down and, and Jana also swings her legs down and, and kind of intently leans in like closely listening to Finn. Again, there's this moment of bonding there because they both did the same thing. They both made a hard choice to walk away from what they knew was wrong. And in this moment, they're, they're connected by it. And Finn at this point, right? He's been part of the resistance for a solid year. He knows he's actively fighting the first order. He's, he knows what to do with that instinct, with that feeling. He knows how to realize it. He knows what he practically has to do. Whereas it seems that Jana and her colleagues, um, you know, they're just kind of staying hidden away, which again, valid. They're, they're just staying safe. But now Finn is going to help make sense of her journey to her by basically confirming, hey, you got the force. <laughs> they both do, I would say. They're a new kind of Jedi, which I love. I love that concept. And I'm not going to go into that right now because I've made that point before and it's not relevant to, to this topic. But in this moment, right, um, Finn understands that it's the force that connects him to these people. He believes that the force is what led him to Rey and to Poe, to Leia, to the whole resistance. Again, and we in this little moment ends again with a, a playing of the force theme. Again, Star Wars language for saying these folks are in the right place. They're doing the right things. Um, they're being their fullest selves. So, um, you know, so what I love is then the commitment that Jana then has to Finn throughout the rest of the movie. Because she knows, I think she, she sees in him what Rose saw in Finn in Last Jedi, but she sees it more realized. Rose saw Finn as this great hero but he was still kind of a coward. She just didn't know that part. But now Jana sees him as this full hero and he is, he's embodied that at this point. And he's going to take Jana on that journey with him. And I think that's why she's so committed to, to staying at Finn's side because she knows that he's going to lead her in the right direction. And it's, it's what needs to be done. So, 
if we kind of just, uh, I think, you know, the other, the other part that's really, really important for, for Finn is the fact that he is going to give a very, very powerful speech alongside his fellow general, General Poe. Let's hear it. Send out a call for help for any. Sorry, I didn't fast forward. I didn't rewind enough. Team's going to blast it. Which isn't easy on Exegol. Ships that size need help taking off. Nav can't tell which way's up out there. So how do the ships take off? They use a signal from a navigation tower like this one. Except they won't. Air team's going to find the tower. Ground team's going to blast it. Ground team? I have an idea for that. Once the tower's down, the fleet will be stuck in Atmo for just minutes, with no shields and no way out. We think hitting the cannons might ignite the main reactors. That's our chance. We need to put some holdo maneuvers, do some real damage. Come on, that move is one in a million. Fighters and freighters can take out their cannons if there are enough of us. He's right. We'd be no more than bugs to them. That's where Lando and Chewie come in. They'll take the Falcon to the core systems. Send out a call for help for anybody listening. We've got friends out there. They'll come if they know there's hope. They will. First Order wins by making us think we're alone. We're not alone. Good people will fight if we lead them. Leia never gave up. And neither will we. We're going to show them we're not afraid. What our mothers and fathers fought for, we will not let die. Not today. Today we make our last stand. For the galaxy. For Leia. For everyone we've lost. They've taken enough of us. Now we take the war to them. Who else is ready to join the resistance now? Oh, I am. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> yeah. I, what's so great about that speech is that it, it it is this interplay between characters. It's not just one person taking the lead. It, it's ultimately at the end there, the crescendo of all of this is the relationship of Finn and Poe, right? And their commitment to this fight for the resistance. And, you know, um, what's important to note, though, is what Finn points out in the, in his speech, you know, we're going to show the galaxy we're not afraid, which is perfect because Finn's arc starts in fear. He's afraid to fight this fight, but he's not afraid anymore. Not even in the least. We're going to take the war to them. Again, the importance of that fieriness, that fieriness we saw from him at the end of Force Awakens when he says to Kylo, come and get it. He's bringing that fight to the oppressor here. He's going to bring that fight because sometimes you got to stand up and you've got to push back against the bully. And that's exactly what Finn commits to here at the end of Rise of Skywalkers. He's not going to let the bully continue to be the bully. And you know what? He's not going to go it alone. He's got Poe. He's got Chewie. He's got Rose. He's got all these people around him. And it's a fight worth having. So, Finn kind of closes this all out then with his willingness to give his life for the resistance, right? Is they're, they're abandoning the, the, the Star Destroyer. Rose calls for him to come back. 
And he says, we're going to stay here. And we're going to take this thing out no matter what it costs. Right. And it, and it's, it's a beautiful full circle of that arc in last Jedi, right? Where Rose teaches him, you know, we don't win by fighting what we hate, but by saving what we love. And in this moment, Finn is saving what he loves. You know, he's, he's kind of come full circle. Um, he's not just angry. He is angry, but he's not just angry. He's also committed to this cause that is going to uplift people. And I think that's what Finn really cares about. This is why he cares about the resistance is because of people like him, because of people like Janna. It's because he knows what the first order has inflicted on the galaxy, the type of oppression that is inflicted on the galaxy, the way it's stolen children, the way it's brainwashed people. Finn won't stand for it another day. And he's no longer afraid to fight that fight. And I think that's what makes all three of these characters so darn important in the world we live in right now, right? There is a, there is a fight going on right now that's worth having. It's exhausting. It's hard. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of people, again, I'm, I'm speaking about the U.S. here. There's a group of people, black Americans, for their entire American existence have been seen as less than. And now we see this profound, strong movement that's pushing back and saying, we matter. Listen to us. Hear us. Give us justice. And I think these characters in Star Wars all remind us of how important it is to find those things in life that really matter to us, the things that we feel fiery about, the things that we are passionate about, the things that we know that are right, and standing up and fighting for them. And I think that's a really important message that our world needs right now. And I think that Star Wars gives us a lot to think about in that regard. And, you know, I kind of want to, that's kind of just what I want to leave you with is, is I close out the episode is I just invite you in this, this time of kind of craziness and, and everything that's going on in the world is just, maybe just take some time to think about just like Jin Han and Finn did. Think about the things that really matter to you, the people that really matter to you. And the causes that really care for those people and that continue to care for those people and that are going to do what needs to be done to make sure that everyone is seen, heard, and loved because that's what we all need in the world right now. Um, so that's kind of where I stand with all of this right now. Um, so, you know, I invite you to think about those things that you really care about um, and, and get involved. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the exhausting fights ahead. Um, find those allies around you. Find those people that care about you and care about what you care about and be willing to stand up for those things because I think Star Wars reminds us that that's really, really important. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Wampus Lair podcast. This has been episode 385 for the cause. I am your host, Carl LeClaire. For Jason, who will be back with us next week, we will see you next time here in the Wampa's Lair.